All right, let's see. Pick a number one to 10, three, two, one, go. Seven. seven. Gosh dang it. <laughs> All right, second question. Favorite color, three, two, one, go. Red. Blue. All right, red and blue. Wait, that's what school you guys go to. I just realized that. <laughs> I just realized that. Okay, third question. Favorite animal, three, two, one, go. Monkey. Lion. Ah, monkey, lion. Ooh. Favorite MLB team? Red Sox. <laughs> Favorite sibling, three, two, one, go. Bobby, David. <laughs> Come on, I can't boost his ego. Come on, now. That's what we're here to do. Oh my <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to the Bob Show. I'm here with Daniel Christopher O'Neill and David Michael O'Neill. Say hi, boys. What's up? What's up? <laughs> All right, so basically, I just wanted to give you boys an opportunity to share your story a little bit about the recruiting process and kind of how everything evolved from high school and moving on into college and kind of what your summer plans look like moving forward. So um, I'm just gonna start with you, Dan, because I know you committed first and, and uh, it was kind of going into your senior year and everything. So just give us a little bit of a background on what that was all like. Yeah, so during the summer, right after my junior year, I decided to get really serious with like travel ball tournaments. So hooked up with some pretty good teams, got to go like to the Junior Olympics, Georgia, and just started getting a little leads from coaches, not, Nothing like no offers, nothing like that. Just talking to some schools, some D2s, some D3s, some NAIAs. And then we finished up fall, first semester of senior year. Uh, nothing much, no, no offers still. I was talking a little more serious with another D3 back east. And then I saw that Azusa Pacific hired a new head coach. So I decided to send the email. Who's that head coach, Danny? His name's Kirk Neuenheis. He's a former big leaguer. He's awesome. Love him. One of my favorite coaches ever. And Danny, why was he your favorite coach? Oh, yeah. He, uh, he played with my older brother back in college, and we go way back. So it was great to see him in such a good program coaching over there. So I sent the email, heard back fairly quickly, like within a week. And I was, I was always stressing about emails when you wouldn't hear back, but... If you don't hear back very soon, it's not that big a deal. If, if you have the right stuff in that email, like they're gonna respond. You just have to give it some time and trust it. But he responded, he wanted to come see me play, he wanted video, so I sent him over the little video that I had, and then he came out to a tournament or something, something for travel ball right before season. Really liked what he saw. And he was also interested in Dave over here, but yeah. <laughs> so we, we both ended up going on a visit over there in January, just went, saw practice, then uh, got a tour of the campus, the dorms, the baseball field, everything. Then we both went into his office, talked, got the offer, but waited a little bit to pull the trigger on it, just figuring out everything. Then a couple months later, or a month later, got a phone call, said, do you want to come play for us? And I knew right away once I saw the campus, like, yeah, this is where I want to play. This is the, it's the community I want to be surrounded in. So I just pulled the trigger and committed that day. Yeah, definitely a cool story, man. I know it was probably a little bit stressful going into that senior season without a home. Let's uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely stressful. Cause I had, cause you have to figure out like college applications for all that. You still have to do that. Like, not necessarily as a backup plan, but you got to apply to schools. I think it was really important to go to college. So even if I wasn't getting anything from baseball, I was still planning on going to school. So there's that stress on top. You're writing essays for all the Cal States and UCs and all that. But I was super stressed because I wanted to keep playing. I, I was thinking JUCO route. I was thinking smaller private school or something, but I don't know, it was definitely stressful. Yeah, that stress can definitely weigh on you, man. And um, I know you worked really hard to get to where you were at. And um, I saw you kind of push yourself a little bit more leading up to that decision. Talk to me about like how you evolved during that time. Well, I think it's really important to get video because I know at a lot of my games, I didn't get a lot of video. I didn't have something that I could show coaches like that can't go to the games. And I think that's really important. And, once I got some good, high quality video, I was able to make like a nice coaching or not uh, coaching, a recruiting reel and just posted that on field level. And I was sending out emails weekly, just mass emails, 
just, well, it's not mass emails per se, because it's different. Because if you just send a mass email to a bunch of schools, you're not going to get a lot of responses. But you got to personalize them. You got to let them know what you like about the school, why you want to be there. So once I started doing that, it just, as it kept going, I kept doing it more and more because I just wanted to find a home. And luckily, I was able to. Oh, for sure, man. And we'll definitely get into your story more. But um, David, what, what did your whole story look like? I know I was talking to Mac and we were kind of talking about how like you committed and then the very next day you had a class. Like that was super late. What did that whole story look like for you? It kind of started a little bit earlier than me. My journey was felt a lot longer than it was, but um, it all started really just in PFA. Like I, I grew up going there through you originally and then eventually transitioned over to Dave. But just being in there, just around the just best pitchers you can be around in the area, the, the pro guys, the college guys, that was a huge step for me, just learning how to like grow the game, grow into the game better. And pretty much my whole recruiting started right on the main mound right there. Just getting video from whether it was you or Dave or anything, that just kickstarted everything for me. I, uh, I was in my sophomore year, there was COVID, everything was shut down. I was freaking out about recruiting because I feel like I'm falling behind, even though I had, had the time, but I was just stressing out. And then eventually Dave got some good video of me and he posted it and he got a few hits back for some, from some schools and they reached out to me pretty early in my high school tenure. But um, I started talking to one school in particular. I was talking to them a lot for pretty much until the day I committed to UC Riverside. Um, so I was really serious about that, just trying to maintain relationships, learn about the school. And as the years, year went on, I started talking to a few more schools just by whether it's through using PFA as a resource, emailing on my own, or just through other coaches, whether it's travel ball or whatever, and just learning, just trying to learn about the schools and just trying to find a fit that a place I could call home. And junior year ended, I got into the same travel ball team that this guy was on that he was talking about. Um, I didn't have the same success as him. Uh, I experienced some injuries during that summer, uh, whether it's my ankle or my arm, just the ankle problems. Yeah, <laughs> the I, ankle. <laughs> I sprained my ankle playing ba basketball right before I went to a college for a showcase. So <laughs> We're not anybody out there listening, yeah. We aren't going to talk about that, but <laughs> pay attention to what you're doing. Make sure you're prepping in all the right ways. Don't play basketball during baseball season. <laughs> yes, that's basically how we're going to go about it. <laughs> so obviously the summer was rough for me. I was in a boot for, I don't know, a month. I just couldn't even throw, couldn't pick up a ball. And I was just struggling, just trying to find a home. And I felt like all my options that I worked hard to get in, Earlier in my high school, I thought they were just gonna just go away forever and I was freaking out. But luckily I decided I met in with the guys at PFA and we, we got a plan for how we're gonna go about recruiting. And uh, one thing you guys stressed was just patience. And I really tried to be as patient as I could. <laughs> Dude, I don't really think that's an O'Neill trait. <laughs> no, no, it is not, believe me. And <laughs> So I, I started getting back uh, as the fall started, my going into my senior year, um, just throwing, just trying to just prep to have as good of a season as I could. And luckily through that, I was able to make some gains and uh, got a little bit more serious in the weight room, uh, started really trying to just get my life together. Like if I want to be a college athlete, I have to, all my whole life has to be about being a college athlete. So trying to get that in order. And luckily I was able to keep in contact with the schools I was talking to. I had a couple options, one out of up East and Colorado and a couple in California. You had so many coaches that you were reaching out to. I know like after every outing, you spent like at least 15 minutes reaching out to those coaches individually. Yeah, just trying to, cause obviously I'm, I'm establishing, establishing relationships with all these coaches. Cause I mean, that's where my potential career could be. So I wanted to, really know about these people and I dedicate probably 
at least two hours every week just calling the coaches and just letting them know like updates about how everything's been going because coaches really like hearing from the athlete they want to get a sense of who you are too like it's not all about skill in college it's really about your mental makeup mental when they say baseball is 90 percent mental they are not lying <laughs> it is very true so going into your senior season of high school how was it trying to get coaches out to your games i know we had the whole like going up the hill stigma where coaches like refuse to go up there um it was so difficult they just every time i mentioned where i was from and they figure out like it was a high desert they just they just did not want to come like <laughs> they'd wait till i was anywhere else to come watch me they i i'm not even quite sure if i ever had a coach come a college coach come to a game for a home serrano game that was that would be a sight to see but um recruiting they they were really heavy on video a lot of coaches because what you don't know is while you're in season and trying to get recruited college coaches trying to like he just has to keep his job he has to win with the team he's coaching for at the moment so that's where all his effort is there's little to no time to see recruits during the season which i didn't understand then just because i was just eager to find a home and get playing college baseball but I now I understand how difficult it is for a coach to come see you and luckily coaches came at the right time saw me and I was able to get recruited through that but definitely didn't really happen up in the high desert I had to yeah you got to get out there but one thing is regardless of where you're at if there's talent the coaches will find you and you'll be fine just got to keep working hard yeah man I remember that one game where you were up in the high desert throwing a CG shutout and you had like 15 K's and yeah, you may have been like flying open and, um, and your mechanics were like trash, but you, uh, you were throwing 91 and I got some video on footage and I just remember sending that video over to Mac and, and Mac kind of, uh, helped push that out to other schools. I know that was a huge impact for you. Talk to me a little bit about how Mac helped guide you through that whole process. So my, my journey with Mac really started in the fall before my senior year. Um, he invited me out to a small uh, private showcase with that a number of Southern California schools would be at. And me not having home, I obviously accepted right away. It was, I was just gonna go throw an inning and see what happens. And I got to meet him and this is my first time meeting him. Uh, he was just like, so for the, for the athletes, like he didn't, he doesn't care about any of the money stuff. like it's the whether it's his job or not he just really wants these kids to succeed and he wants help he just wants to help and i think he took an interest in me um i threw okay at that showcase nothing crazy but i still remained in contact with him because he's a really good resource and he really knows his stuff in and around the game um so i originally started talking to him uh getting recruited from uh claremont mckenna and i talked to them for a long time uh went on a visit, got to talk to them, uh, didn't end up taking it just due to my personal reasons and uh, still was able to maintain a good relationship. So as the season started, I started to get more video and still talking to him about schools. And we talk almost weekly about recruiting, just trying to figure out what would be best for me. And through those videos and just talking to him, he was able to just push my name out in the community and Luckily, some coaches thought I was okay and started talking to me too. <laughs> and uh, that also led into the summer. I played with him all summer, this just before going into college. And he was able to really just teach me what college baseball is because it's way different than anything I, I had ever played before. Yeah, they do a great job over there. I love how Mac kind of uh, runs that whole program. He doesn't just like prioritize what you're doing on the mound. Uh, he kind of takes advantage of getting after it during the summer in the weight room. Uh, Danny, talk to me about that a little bit. What did it look like for you? I know you kind of alluded to it earlier, but how did the weight room impact you as you're going into your senior season and looking for a recruiting opportunity? Well, uh, I used to train with this guy named Justin Duarte at Next Level Catching Academy. He was he turned me into the player that I was. He's great. If, if you're a catcher, go see him. But he was just being honest with me. I was talking to him about recruiting. And he's just like, you need to put on some weight. You need, you need to start hitting balls harder. You need to start throwing harder, all that. 
and he was right. So all throughout uh, the summer, or not the summer, the fall before season of my senior year, just grinded in the weight room, put on 10 pounds, started seeing the ball jump a little harder off the bat. My pop time went down. My legs got quicker. I got quicker in general. I got stronger. And that stuff just really makes a difference, mm -hmm. especially going into college. Like most likely, even if you were the biggest guy out there in high school, there's always a bigger fish. There's, there's dudes out there. That's true. You don't have to be all sus about it though. <laughs> you like dudes, huh? Love dudes. <laughs> okay, that might stay in there. <laughs> okay, so I couldn't keep it serious. I'm sorry. Um, so what type of workout plan did you have your, uh, your senior year? Like, did you have any or were you just winging it? Well, I was kind of just winging it. Just, I, we didn't have help from our coaches uh, at my high school. We didn't really, we weren't serious about weight room. We were not, we're not a baseball school. We're definitely a football first school, so we were kind of pushed to the side. And it didn't help that our head coach was also a football coach. So during the off season, we didn't have anything. So I kind of just went to like PFA, got workouts from their strength coaches over there, just little tips along the way, and I'd add it into my program. And then working with uh, Cam Ackerman over the summer, that really helped just with strengthening stuff because I had a shoulder issue. Just working with him really helped. I know Bobby's really close with him. So yep. if, you're, if you're hurting, go see that guy. That's Dr. Cam Ackerman at Pure Physical Therapy, AKA Dr. Cam. That's, he's a man. <laughs> Cam's right. a man. Um, so yeah, just so just, you're really just doing everything you can to survive uh, when you're when you're in a situation like that. I, I know the, the football program was the same thing when I was, um, when I was at Serrano, it was, it was always football first. And, and to be honest, like looking back on like just strength and the power three and, and doing all of those, uh, different dynamic movements, they're not necessarily bad in general, like doing a lot of the football lifts. It's just like the mindset behind it, at least from, from what I saw when, when I was in high school, going into college and going on to pro ball, like, they do incorporate a lot of those lifts. It just, it goes beyond like there's, that's like maybe 70% of what you need to do, but there's that 30% that most people miss out on. So the fact that you were uh, getting in with Dr. Cam, the physical therapist, so you have like mobility and, and functional strength and like shoulders um, strengthening and stuff like that. Those are like the little pieces of the puzzle that really uh, separate a high school athlete from a college athlete. And I know you guys both were workout partners. You had to have been, you're basically like the exact same person. I mean, <laughs> you've up until like a year ago, you guys were just called the twenties. So, um, Dave, how did, how did the whole workout program like differentiate for you as a pitcher, as a PO? Um, was it any different in the weight room? The weight room I've always had like a love hate relationship with. I just, <laughs> I love lifting weight. I hate going to do it or I hated when I was in high school especially when I was younger I was like a little skinny kid who was well I'm still skinny now a little less now but uh I just you could you couldn't find me anywhere but a weight room and I always had a little bit of strength just naturally and once I started like focusing on that especially going into my senior year I I just wanted I wanted to be big I wanted to be strong and I wanted that to translate onto the field. So I started researching it a little bit more, talking to you, definitely. <laughs> um, you'd give me some workouts. I'd do those. And uh, I, I honestly liked the, the weight room that we had at Serrano. I thought that the, the movements just were all about explosiveness. And I felt like that played a big part in my, my gains I made was just being consistent in there. And also just like outside of that, just adding in more like pitcher specific, whether it was uh, lower body or shoulder health or anything like that, like just being able to get that done and being consistent was the biggest key for me was just getting in every day, doing something, just not sitting around. Yeah, man, that's the hardest part about lifting. Like the, the consistency is always key. Uh, Danny, how did things start differentiating for you? Like, was it pretty nice, like having a, a collegiate um, weight room experience? Well, at my school, the first day was just eye-opening. We're there 
5.30 in the morning, lift starts at 6. If you're not there at 5.30, you're late and you're running at practice. You're getting ripped by the coaches, ripped by the captains, all that. So we're there at 5.30, sitting in the weight room, half asleep. And then strength coach comes up. All right, let's go. Everybody gets up. Everyone's screaming and yelling like, oh, we're, we're about to get after it right now. <laughs> They're moving around weight. I'm like... This is not the same. These are different people. So that kind of just fired me up a little bit. Just, all right, I guess I'll work my ass off here. Just, I don't know. The weight room in college is a whole different experience. People yeah. are animals in there. Well, especially at APU, man. Like those guys breed like physical specimen. I mean, I had, I worked with a couple guys in the past and they were like throwing around 700 pounds on deadlift on the regular. I mean, I think that's like a regular thing at APU, right? Yeah. That's uh, insane. Those guys just, uh, those guys have always been animals. Like historically, like when James was there, they were they were throwing weight around back then. When Kirk was there, they were throwing weight around. It's, it's insane, man. I love it. And I feel like that's something you needed, right? Like you just needed to, um, you needed to get after it in the weight room and you needed to be around people that were gonna push you in that way. That's, that's so cool, man. I love it. Uh, David, what was the weight room experience like for you? Um, it was, it was really good. It started similar. Uh, we had the later weights for some reason. We started just like 7.30 instead of 5.30. Are you serious? You guys are so lucky. We caught a little break there. So that started out just, that was my first time meeting the team. We had our team meeting, but we didn't have a real practice until we had weights. So that was where I get to meet everybody and uh, everybody was really nice going into it. And then as soon as our strength coach came in, it's just same type of thing, just scream and yell and everybody's just happy to be there. And everybody just wants to play baseball. That's what's great about college is everybody who's there just, just loves baseball and they just want to be there and play the game. But, uh, it was a little awkward getting into it cause I didn't really know anybody. And I don't know, like my strength compared to these guys trying to figure out lifts and all that, but uh kind of got shoved off into the corner a little freshman corner for the lifts and <laughs> just pretty much had to figure shit out just <laughs> on my own a little bit and uh that worked out for a little bit i uh once i got a little more comfortable i moved over to a better rack and with guys more like me who wanted to do the same things as me so got to do that but just everything was everything in the college weight room is focused on progress and it's all tracked like in high school i never tracked my weights and how fast I moved away or what workouts I did but college it's so like meticulous and I just got to like really break down my strengths see where my weaknesses were and just over time I was able to just build all those up and able to see like a lot of good results especially towards the end of the year just being in that culture is so amazing I love it totally get it man yeah the higher up you go the more meticulous it always gets right it's just um it's crazy it reminds me of college like when i was when i was at biola and played under john verhoeven he was like kind of an ex mlb guy so he was constantly like preaching to us like hey get your work done do what you need to do to get better i'll be here to help if you need it but we didn't even have to go to morning weights it was kind of all on us and um i kind of never really capitalized on Verhoeven's like offer to give me um, different things to do if I needed to. So uh, I didn't really have that mindset going into pro ball when I got drafted. I was kind of just like, oh, I'll just do my own thing. But when I got there, everything was meticulous. Like they had um, a chart of everything that we had to do. And um, if we didn't do it exactly, we would just get cut. <laughs> like that's, that's how crazy it is, right? Um, Danny, I, I mean, I'm sure it's the same with you at APU. I mean, I can only imagine what the metrics look like in the weight room with you, right? We had like iPads set up at every rack and you tracked every single lift you did with what kind of effort you're using, what, what the weight was, what tempo you're doing. If you're keeping up with the tempo, we tracked everything and you can go back and look at it and see like where you're improving or where you're not improving they track your weight they track if you're eating good if you're sleeping good if you're drinking enough water we have to fill in all that so it's a little it's a little tedious but it definitely helps that stuff's huge did you guys ever go over those metrics Was we'd go over it like uh with our group or whatever after the set so three weeks we'd go three weeks of the same lift then switch 
So every three weeks, pretty much, we go over the data. What was the biggest lift that you saw the most gains in? The most gains? Yeah. Probably uh, front squat and back squat. Just, it got insane. We were super, super focused on legs. We didn't, we didn't straight bar bench. We didn't, we did maybe one chest workout. We do biceps and triceps maybe once a week, but we were hammering legs. So just back squat, front squat, just jumped up. Like before they, they also teach you like so much different stuff with technique. Like if you don't have good form, your freshman year, don't need to worry about it. If the strength coaches are there and they're actually doing their jobs and showing you what to do, you're going to see so much improvement just from improving your technique. So did they have like a FMS test or was it more just like show us your form and we'll let you know if you can add weight or anything like that? It was more show us your form and if you, if you were doing it right, throw on some more weight. If not, stay at your weight, do it faster, get up to... 100% being able to do this with confidence and then move up. They didn't push doing a bunch of weight and getting hurt. They had, I guess they had some issues with that the previous year. So they were super careful in the weight room, but we were still getting after it. That's cool. Uh, Dave, did you guys have an FMS test? Um, no, we didn't really get into that. We did more similar to tracking the weights and we were a little bit more on our own. Uh, it was more like what we were comfortable with instead is especially in the fall, it was more, we focused a little bit more on trying to push your limit a little bit. And then once season started, obviously we slowed, slowed everything down and just tried to maintain strength and got you. Yeah. Not as much as high of a rate of increase. And got it. Got it. So David, I know you're a pitcher and Danny, you're a catcher. I probably should have gone into that like way before now, but um, was, did you notice any type of difference, Dan, between like the pitcher workouts versus the position player workouts? Oh yeah. There's, they were on, supposed to be on like the similar workout plan, but every pitcher has something else that they like doing or say they have elbow soreness or shoulder soreness. They were switching their workouts. Our starters pretty much did what they were comfortable doing during the season. But during the fall, everyone pretty much did the same thing. Yeah. So both the APU guys I was talking about were pitchers. But um, one of them was a two-way guy and the other one was a PO. And I know that position player, that two-way guy, he threw around a lot more weight than that PO. Uh, Dave, did you notice any difference between the PO workouts and the position player workouts? Um, pretty much the same. It, in the fall, it was everything was just the same for everyone. We were just trying to just move weight. We weren't too focused on the specific exercises. But as soon as uh, winter break ended and we got back, it was two completely different lifts. We had a lot of isometric stuff, uh, a ton of band work and hip mobility, med balls. That's what we really focused on. And then the like compound lifts, like bench press or squat or whatever, it changed more to like variations of that. Just trying to get uh, our bodies to move in better positions. So it was a little bit different. Yeah, baseball is so monotonous. It's crazy. Like, uh, you guys didn't get days off, huh? Either of you? No. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy, huh? Uh, let's change gears a little bit. Danny, um, what was it like transitioning from, like, a high school culture into a more collegiate culture? Well, at my high school, it was a lot different because, well, first off, there's one or two guys at your position. You're most likely going to be playing a lot more. There's... You're closer with all your teammates usually. Usually you grew up with them. like They're like your friends first before they're your teammates. Or you guys just get close because, well, you see them all the time. It's whatever. So, But there's a difference in culture from half the guys on your high school team won't touch a baseball after their senior year. And then in college, everybody there wants to play. They want to be there. They want to be in the starting lineup. They're working for it. Everybody's pushing each other. And I know like with, with my specific group, we had three other catchers. So I knew my chances of playing weren't very, weren't very high. But just knowing that I have to beat out these guys to get in the lineup, it just made us so much better. Just the, all of us were pushing each other. We're getting better every day. It's making the team better. And it's just you can really tell when there's that type of mindset on a team. 
it's a team that wants to win. It wants to be there and not just completely change. Because in high school, we were never really a winning team. We won ball games, but we didn't have like that mentality of we're going to win this game because we're better than you. We work harder. And just going from that level to this level, it was insane to see. Yeah, I think having a similar background as you and kind of um, understanding like the high desert culture and kind of what that all represents and how it's a lot different than other cultures, maybe even in baseball. But um, I think the biggest part of like why the culture doesn't really work as well up there as it does in other places is um, you don't get enough time around the athletes. Like you're not, you're only given like four hours of practice and you don't have the same weight room class as all your teammates. It's just, it's a completely different environment and it's not really something that you can, um, you can just expect it's something you have to go create on your own and you have to like go to places like PFA. Like I loved PFA when I first got to the facility because um, it just reminded me so much of pro ball and it reminded me um, how everyone pushed each other. And it just kind of what you were saying, like with, with like the big raw, raw stuff like that, that was a lot of people's high school experience when I was um, first starting out as a trainer, like those guys were experiencing it then. Um, is that something that you feel like you wish you would have done better um, in your high school days? Is that kind of maybe one of your regrets? I just, yeah, I, I definitely think I should have been more prepared for it. I feel like I could have done a lot, a lot of stuff different over the summer and even during my senior year. Because honestly, during senior year, I kind of like held back a little bit. Like I was like, oh, I'm already committed. And then that really affected how I played at the start of the year. I was like, oh, for 12 or something to start the year. And I was like, all right, it's no joke. I got to start playing or they're going to pull my scully. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was better then. But then when summer hit, it was just like, oh, I have this going on. I'm leaving. I want to see my friends. But during that time, you have to also be working because you don't want to be at the bottom of the barrel when, when you get to where you're going. You're just starting. You want to start on a high note. You want to be locked in before you get there you want to be already working hard and just build off that so i know that's definitely something i'm going to do this next off season is just take it more seriously yeah and like i said before man like having been in this game for a long time and having been on the coaching side for like over 10 years uh you kind of pick up on tendencies and you pick up on patterns and there's there's always that like freshman pattern where everyone goes into their freshman year of college and they just expect to be what they worked for four years to become in high school, they expect to like carry that over to college and it just never translates because um, while you're busy building up into that four-year version of yourself, there's guys in college who've spent four years building up and becoming not just these like masters of their skill set, but grown adults, like they're men now, they're not boys anymore. So like everyone has that experience in one shape or form, but um, you don't need to stress out about it, man. Like it's, it's totally normal and, and we all go through it. I literally tell all my freshmen the same thing. So I wouldn't stress about it, dude. Like you're, you're on a great track and I think you're going to kill it this summer. Uh, David, did you have any type of regrets or anything like that, that you wish you had, um, you wish you had kind of been aware of, uh, going into your freshman year of college? Um, if there is one thing that I wish I would have done in high school, it would have been focus on the mental game. That that will change if you're if you're gonna be a freshman next year you're about to go to college you really have to be mentally tough that's one thing that they don't teach in high school no one knows about it until you your first step on campus your first step on a mound especially college college mound once you get up there your mind wants to go everywhere but baseball you want to think about you're going to think about how bad you're going to do you're you're gonna think about, oh, do I even belong here? Like, whether how good you are or not, it's just gonna happen. You're gonna you're gonna freak out. So, if I had to change something, I would have gotten a little bit more mentally tough, put myself in more challenging positions uh, within the game, whether it be higher stretch, higher stress moments, or anything like that. Like pitching in big games, that that's what I would have done differently. Uh, I felt like getting into a summer program as soon as you can was that helped me a ton. Just being able to like lift like a college athlete, like somewhere like PFA, what I did was uh, did their summer workout program where I was I was up up at five, 
at, in the facility by 6 a.m., just getting after it every single day. And that, that really prepared me for what it's going to be like when you step foot on campus because it's after that, you're not done. You still have to do your throwing. You have to do your arm care, which I got to do over the summer with PFA. I got to do everything I do on co in college now. Besides the school, obviously, but dude, I was gonna say, and then after all of that, you gotta go to school. <laughs> and you gotta pass those classes too. They you don't get to slack those. They coaches will take academics more serious than you going in 0 for 12 slump. If you have bad grades, they don't even want to talk to you. Dude, that's literally like the number two question that all college coaches ask me when it comes to recruiting athletes. It's like they already like know that they're going to be good. They know they have fast arms. Like I've even had coaches tell me that like, dude, we know you guys got clean arm or has a clean arm and has great mechanics. But um, like, how is he? How is his character? Like, how is he as an individual? Is he going to be a good teammate? And then the second thing they ask is like, hey, how are his grades? Like, is this dude going to pass the classes or are we going to have to drop him? And like, it's literally like you could be anyone. You could be a stud pitcher. You can be a an Otani. You can drop like absolute mammos. But if you can't pass it in the classroom, like no one's going to waste a scully on you. Exactly. So, Not enough people recognize that either. It's insane. Um, let's pivot again. I've had a lot of people ask me this question, but like, what is the difference between a division one school and a division two school? Well, personally, I don't think there's a very big difference. I think there's talent at any level you go to. It's just mm -hmm. with D one and D two, we're not, we're not getting all that stuff that the D ones are getting. We're not getting <laughs> food at, on the bus and food before games and all that. We're, we get a Jersey Mike sandwich in between double headers and we play back to back. <laughs> So I think there's there's definitely a little more of a grind for for D two guys, but D one's just those. There is a pretty big exception. There's some really talented players at D one. Like there's a reason that there's divisions, but I feel like with the culture at the respective schools. Well, I know for ours, it's we're a winning program. We're we're going out there to compete for the world series every year we're and that's just like where we are that's the standard we don't we're not winning games and there's something wrong mm. there's they're gonna make changes they're gonna do whatever they have to do to get back up to that standard what about you dave for me i feel like the the main difference is is there's always there's just gonna be talent anywhere you go i feel like the main difference is is the floor for a d1 is a little different than the floor of a D2 program. Like you're gonna, the worst player on a D1 is probably gonna be a little better than some guys at different divisions or even any program really. It just, it's, it kind of varies program to program. Like I've seen some powerhouse D2s, especially like APU where they probably compete with anybody they play. Like it doesn't even matter if they're playing LSU, UCR or Monterey Bay, it doesn't matter. Like they're just gonna go out there and they're gonna compete where some schools, like especially like a school like UCR, like we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're facing some of the best guys in California, which is it's pretty tough, but you just gotta do it and just gotta go out and every every time you're on the field, you just have to go out and play your hardest, play your heart out. So before we turn on the cameras, you were talking about all that merch that you're getting for your D1 program. Like it's not like that no. in D2, huh? We have <laughs> we have a box of pants in in the locker room, <laughs> and every year you go and grab your pants. <laughs> well, you got pants when you're in D2. I didn't get that when I was in NAIA ball. We had to paint our own on. <laughs> oh, you! All, everything that you guys are talking about right now. From my experience in college, I was in NAIA ball, so. Um, our ceiling and floor was like a much bigger like spectrum. So we had guys like throwing 97, but we also had guys throwing like 83. So um, it was definitely a, a difference for us. Like our, our floor was a lot lower than maybe a D2 or a D1, but um, we still had the studs there too. So it's, it's a crazy and interesting difference. Um, you may see like a lot of the guys in your program right now that are um, like, whatever now but when you're in high school dude those guys would have been studs to you all right so let me pull up this question really quick so it says um what does division two baseball look like on a daily basis daily so for our schedule in the pack west we would play mainly friday saturday no game sunday because we're a christian school the teams in our conference are christian schools, so we don't play sundays 
So most of the time we're playing a four-game set, doubleheader Friday, doubleheader Saturday. So Monday, hard practice. We have BP. We have team defense. We have individual work. We have cages, all that, the whole, whole shebang. And then Tuesday is usually bullpen day. So we'll go straight from stretch, warm up, throw, maybe team defense. If not, then we're just in the bullpen. We're sitting there catching, taking turns, who's catching, who's hitting, who's in the cage, who's doing recovery on their own with our coach. And then Wednesday, usually the same thing because we can't fit all the bullpens in the in the Tuesday slot. So people will slide to Wednesday. They'll do we'll do two people in the bullpen and then one person in the cage doing live at bats with uh with the pitching coach there we're working game situations calling pitches we're tracking the whole thing using the rap soda playing it like a real game it's really it gets really competitive in there it's 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 a lot of fun playing there um then thursday usually show and go bp stretch bp go home get ready friday uh all the freshmen and sophomores have to show up to the field if we have a home game that say one o'clock is the first game of the doubleheader. We're there at 7.30 setting up the field because we don't have a field crew. We do it all ourselves. So I'm, I'm out there slaving away, working at the home plate, <laughs> playing everything. It's, it's a grind. Then you go straight from field work. You sprint over to the clubhouse, get your game pants on, get ready to go, go out there, stretch. Then you're shagging BP, you're hitting. Then we go hang out for a little bit, get some food, just get your uniform on, all that. Then we go straight out to the field. We'll, we'll toss, get ready. We'll do in and out, which just pretty standard. Then they do theirs, pitcher gets ready, and then it just kind of shifts. So we're all, we're all pretty locked in, ready to go during pre, pregame, in and out. Then the second the pitcher comes out, from the bullpen, ready to go on the mound. Everyone just changes into game face. They're ready to go. Everyone's pumped up. And then it's just, just from right there, when you see like that switch turn in players' heads and like the pitcher just looks locked in, he's ready to go. It's, it's pretty cool to see. It definitely is cool to see, man. I've, I've been around that switch for so long and I, I never really appreciated that switch until I actually became a player. Like, cause from the fan perspective, you don't really notice it. You don't notice the subtle nuances of just like those little ticks or those little, like, um, those little muscle memory things that you do with your teammates. Like it's kind of just like you watch the game once it starts, but all the all the things that take place, like as the batter is uh, stepping up to the plate, or as the as the starting pitcher is walking up to the field, like those things are just like what make baseball so much fun. I love it. I remember those like freshman and sophomore duty things too. Like those are um, those are always a grind. I remember the story about you, Dan, where um, I went to one of your games. Like, I think it was your first collegiate at bat when you uh, got that like line drive base hit. But um, but yeah, there was the moment like after the game where I was talking to your head coach and we were just kind of um we were kind of just like catching up and reminiscing on old times and stuff and um I was on one side of the fence he was on the other side of the fence and then um David <laughs> like walked up right behind me and just started to talk into Nui too and then all of a sudden one of your seniors sees David like fully dressed out in street clothes and is like Danny what the frick are you doing out there get your butt back in here and help us clean up the infield and he didn't even realize that he had a twin brother. And so there was like that, that moment where you like popped up and you looked and you're like, oh, I'm still over here. And David's meanwhile, just looking all awkward here. It was, that was hilarious to see. Definitely, definitely be prepared for all the freshman jokes. They don't. Oh, yeah, they don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is, though, right? Like, are you really going to treat a freshman the same when you're a senior? No. Oh, no. <laughs> If That's I went awesome. through it, they're going through it. <laughs> it's it's all about the culture, right? So the little stuff is that's my favorite part about baseball. Just like the stuff you don't see if you're not there experiencing it. Just the little stuff like in the dugout, uh just being locked into the game, watching just all that little stuff, like the stuff that goes into pregame that goes into your ritual before you even start. Like for our team, we did the same thing every time. We'd we go out there for our stretch. We do our handshakes. We had everybody does it same time, same everything. Then we go. And it's just like, that's when you know you're ready. 
Mm-hmm. It really help, makes you like feel part of the team too. And you have like those relationships with your teammates where you can like, you have little mannerisms you share with certain people and it just, you do it out of just reflex and it just feels like so cool to be just part of something at this, this level. Yeah, and it's that thing that you always aspire to be. Like when you're that little leaguer and you're at a college game and you're watching that collegiate athlete like step up to the plate, you're like, man, I want to be like him one day. I had that same experience um, at that same game I was telling you about before, Dan, where um, I kind of just had that moment of nostalgia where I was like, wow, when I was little, I used to watch my older brother, James, like our brother, and then um, I used to watch him on that same field. And then at one point, like, I kind of graduated and became that athlete and played at Biola against APU. So I got to be on that same field while you guys were watching me and then turn around fast forward 10 years. Now I'm back on that field watching you again. And I get to see all those like generations of uh, subtle nuances take place. It's, it's so cool, man. It's, it's such a high rewarding uh, thing to be a part of, man. If you can be in the game long enough, like it's so rewarding. Okay. Another question. What would Division One baseball look like for you, Dave? It was just so fast. Like once I started, you don't. It's over in the blink of an eye. Like you, I went through 50, 50 something odd games, and it felt like a week to me. And just seeing, like, getting, being, getting the chance to travel around the conference, get to play all these schools where you you see them on TV when you were a kid, and you're like, wow, I'm I'm on the same field that. All these guys I looked to, up to growing up, they all played here. They did the same thing that I'm doing right now. And just getting the opportunities to go out and compete against some of these top programs and just like facing some of the best, comp- the best competition I've ever faced in my life for sure. Just getting like, or getting a big out or a big moment, like just feeling all that energy and having like all those eyes on you, it, it changes everything. It speeds it up and it, if you're not careful, it'll spit you back up pretty quick too. And it was just awesome getting the opportunity to go out and learn, just learn about the game and learn through playing it. It's so, it's awesome. Yeah, on that note, man, like as a freshman coming into a Division One program, did you have any mentors like who were guiding you along the way? Yeah, I had a lot of guys, uh, worked with a ton of guys. We had, we had some leadership roles on the team. Uh, one guy in particular, uh, Tyler Frazier, shout out for us. <laughs> uh, he really took me under his wing uh, in the second half of the year. So once we got back from winter break, uh, I really just, I noticed he was there. He was the dude. He was the guy we went to. So I wanted to be, I want to be like him. So I just, I started hanging out with him. I started seeing what he had to say, how he did things. And he was, he would just give me, give me shit all day, every day. But <laughs> He did it in a way where I got to learn from it and whether he's making fun of me or not, like we were still, that was my, that was my boy. And I could ask him anything about anything, whether it was, oh, I'm having trouble in school. What do I need to do? Oh, this pitch isn't working. Like, oh, I'm having real trouble getting over my front foot. Like, can you help me with that? And he'll like, he'd watch it or with school, he just, he'd give me little tips. He's, he was so nonchalant about everything too, where it was just like, I had, well, cause you always have your coaches who are going to help you, but they're not going to be there for you. Like your teammates will. And having someone like that, that you can look up to learn from and just be around every day. It's just awesome. There were so many of, the, of those guys on our team. And thankfully we got a bunch of those guys coming back next year. So that'll be just full of another year. And hopefully we can keep those leadership roles going. And someday, hopefully I can be a role model to someone too. Yeah, it's that culture right there, man. That exact culture that that fires me up about baseball. I love it. That's actually what got me in PFA. Like I was, I was like kind of trying out a whole bunch of different facilities when I was first retiring, and and I was like kind of on my way out of baseball. Like um, I stepped into probably three facilities before PFA, and it just felt like either toxic or just disconnected, or it just didn't feel like a baseball family. And that family kind of culture mindset. Um, was emulated by the owner of PFA, Dave Coggin. Like he, he brought on um, pro guys and kind of middle schooler or high schoolers, and they were kind of all working out together. But Dave always had this way of like taking that middle schooler slash high schooler and 
partnering or pairing or like um, having those guys kind of go together. And so it was kind of the older guy's responsibility of kind of taking on the younger guy. And, and that like kind of instilled in, in his own way, like that leadership role and that, that older brother mindset. Like, I love that. Like that is such a cool part of baseball. And that's one of those life lessons that you will always walk away with. And um, even after baseball is over, that's something that's going to carry over onto the future. So that's really cool. Uh, Danny, what about you, man? You get any role models over at APU? Oh yeah, uh, all all the three other catchers. Shout out Ty, Chino, and Fridge. They they were amazing. They taught me so much about the side of baseball that doesn't get really get talked about enough. Obviously, these three guys were all older than me. I wasn't playing. I was a redshirt freshman, but they just teach you so much. They they taught me so much about. When you're not in the game, there's stuff that you're responsible for. You have to know your role. You have to add value every single day or you're going to get left in the dust. They taught me, uh, Ty and specifically, just about baseball, like being smart, adding, just looking for the little things, whether it be during defense or Team D, individual stuff. Just he's always working with me. Chino, he kind of just paved how I want to present myself on the field and like to the coaches and what kind of attitude I want to show up with every day. I don't want to be the guy that's feeling sorry for himself because he's not playing. I want to be the guy that's working his ass off to play. And just all those guys just always there. We were a really tight group. Sadly, two of them are seniors. They're, they're not coming back, but I'll never forget the stuff that they taught me and just the relationships I was able to build with those guys. And it, I think it just made our team so much better. So I have to ask Dan, like you've, um, you explained two role models, but you named three people. So I can only hope and pray that um, over the course of this summer, you're gonna take all the things you've learned from the fridge and actually put some weight on this summer. There's a reason <laughs> his name's Fridge. <laughs> all right, so what actually are your goals for this summer, man? Well, after talking to my coaches and everything, they. They don't want me playing summer ball. I know that's a huge thing for athletes is you got to be playing summer ball. You got to be seeing consistent at bats, especially for hitters, pitchers as well. It just really it differs from how they did in their season, if they threw a lot of innings or not. But for me this year, I was told I just need to put on weight. I need to get better at the little things. I need to, they're not so much focused on me getting at bats per se, but when you're in college, you have to be, you have to look the part. You have, you can't be, there's obviously exceptions for guys like Altuve or Jacob DeGrom who are just freaks of nature and don't, they're not the biggest guys. Like DeGrom's what, 175, 180. He's just amazing. But Freak. Yeah. <laughs> the, you can't look at those guys and be like, oh, well, if they're doing it, I can do it. You have to be like, well, I'm not throwing 100. So maybe I should get my ass in the weight room. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working with a strength coach, just eating better, having a set meal plan, a set workout plan, and just trying to get in the lineup. It's a grind, but that's the fun part about it. Dude, how many calories are you going to eat per day? I'm recommended right now, uh, five to 6,000 a day. And <laughs> before I was doing maybe three. Yeah. So it's going to be a grind. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that's all good weight too, man. That's, that's one thing that the coaches did stress too, is you got to put on good weight. You can't just get fat because there's a reason they recruit athletic guys like they want they want to keep you athletic they don't want you getting big like huge fat they want you buff they want you toned they want you faster stronger so when you're putting on weight you have to you have to realize that you want to put on good weight you want to do it the right way mm -hmm. yeah i think the biggest thing i noticed in pro ball is everyone belonged there like <laughs> everyone was a dude so um you kind of you kind of saw like what the expectations of the program were based on all the people around you like they weren't just signing you because you were good like they were signing you because you were becoming the face of the franchise so if you didn't emulate exactly what their standards were they would just get rid of you like everyone's jersey number on their back like there's only one of those people so you needed to make sure that you were representing yourself properly and you weren't getting replaced by someone else who was going to do a better job than you so i think uh, i think it's kind of like that at apu and um and APU has historically been known for producing guys that look like they get after it in the weight room. I think Nui does a 
great job of that. And um, he kind of took that on from his time when he was actually being coached by the previous head coach, uh, Coach Sfagdas. Like, Coach Sfagdas was really big on um, – like getting guys to get after it in the weight room too. So, so knew he's really good about that. And, um, I think he's, he's kind of passing that on to you and now you're going to be getting after it in this summer too, man. I love it. Uh, David, what about you, man? What are your plans for the summer? Um, what I really enjoyed was just, uh, <clears throat> getting the opportunities to go out and pitch. Uh, I feel like pitching in big games, like you only get so much you do in that. Like it's such an adrenaline rush. Like you just, you're so like just amped up anytime you get that chance. And so to get more of those chances this summer, I'm going to, we're going to be pretty much really similar journeys. We both got to get stronger, get bigger, and we're both going to be good with our eating. Uh, definitely having a really strict weight lifting program. Um, and then eventually leading that up into getting some innings for summer ball, uh, hopefully. And, Really a big uh, thing for me is just getting in PFA. Like that place, that place is gonna make, it makes or breaks careers like with how hard you wanna work. So I wanna surround myself with guys who have been there, who pro guys, big, big name dudes and people like you, Dave and Jason, uh, Dr. Cam. Like those guys are all like, the, that's the right group of people you wanna be around, so. Not RJ though. Not no, not definitely RJ. not RJ. Not RJ. <laughs> Dude, RJ shaved his head. He looks like Dave Jr. now. Oh, no. <laughs> we got to get a picture of that up on the screen. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's up. I'm putting it up right now. <laughs> oh, So everyone but RJ at PFA, it's just, it's awesome. I love those guys. So for those of you guys who don't know, RJ is one of the pitching coaches at PFA, and he was previously a Serrano athlete who was also a Miami Marlins draft pick back in the day. So uh, we all like giving him a ton of crap all the time. <laughs> um uh, yeah, that's that's gonna be a great summer guys like I'm really excited for both of you and I think it's gonna be really cool uh, Seeing you guys like with similar goals and both of you guys like fighting and, and pushing each other I think both of you are trying to get up to like 175 180, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's really good, man I think um, Historically with the O'Neill genetics like all of us like put on our man weight like within the first couple of years of college so um, I'm, I'm super excited to see what you guys do with that newfound weight and like putting on all that extra muscle mass and, and just, um, overall, like how it's going to help your numbers evolve and, and it's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think I'll see you at PFA a lot, right? Like Catching my some bullpens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't knock the bullpens. Don't knock the bullpens. The bullpens are huge. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I did want to talk about in this, in this podcast when Bobby originally brought it up. Just yeah. if you're a catcher. You, you need to put effort into your bullpens. You need to treat it like games because the pitchers, most likely, they're out there throwing their bullpens trying to compete for innings. They're throwing game-like. So you got to be out there doing game-like situations. You got to be talking to your pitchers. You got to be letting them know, like, if you see something, obviously you don't want to impede with what the coach is saying and, or the pitching coach or whatever, but you got to let them know what you see. That's, that's something that's taken me a really long way is uh building relationships with pitchers like in high school we had four dudes who all could go out there and throw a cg shutty but if you're not on the same page with them there's nothing you can do there's so as a catcher you have to really prioritize that mental side of the game yeah exactly man you don't want to impede on what the pitching coach is teaching but you do want to be like available and make yourself available to um, give feedback whenever you need it or whenever those pitchers need it and um, the only way that you can give good feedback is if you're like actually physically present and you're mentally like locked in to be able to um, know what they're talking about, what they're working on. I think that's like the coolest part about like your situation where um, you were like on the team the whole year and, and just because um, because we got to the end of the year and you didn't have enough playing time, you were able to get that red shirt. Like that was so huge. Like that's so awesome because you got the experience of being on a team and getting to be locked in with all the guys but you um you didn't have to waste a year um of eligibility in the process so like that's the best of both worlds and and i think you were mentally there like locked in like you knew that this year was going to be a developmental year for you yeah that's what i was told going in i think i think it's really beneficial to just being able to take the time to develop and get really get to know your program and your your teammates because 
more important than anything is team chemistry. You have to be able to go after it with your boys every single time or you're not going to find success. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, D Dave, did you like your catchers at UCR? Uh, yeah, they're, they're great dudes. Uh, all the pitchers are super, super particular about catchers. We, we critique everything a catcher does because, <laughs> I mean, bullpen life is 99% of the time you're sitting on the bench watching someone else throw, and then when you get your name, you go pitch, but... You're watching everything but the game at that point. Uh, <laughs> when a guy's warming up, you're just watching how a guy receives a ball, whatever. But you get really close at the catchers, like as a pitching staff. And me and Danny, you've, we've talked about this a lot. We've talked, like, yeah, we have talked about this. The catchers who actively like make an effort to talk to you about your bullpen and stuff, like you just get on like such a same page and like mentally you're locked in with them because in a game like you don't like. Personally, I don't care about anyone else on the field but my catcher. Like, that's the only guy I'm focusing on. I'm just trying to get in tune with him. Like, when you have those relationships, that whole process becomes so much easier. So, I really agree with that. Well, we know you guys were spoiled growing up, but it was more of like the, <laughs> you're a pitcher, you're a catcher, and you guys are working well together, and you've, like, had that your entire life. But, um... What has that been like now? Like now that you guys are like gone through life together and you've kind of had that like that relationship and now you're at different programs and you're having to go find that all over again. It was pretty it was pretty difficult to be honest. It was like I mean, my whole life I'd never had someone else behind the plate catching me consistently and he knows my mannerisms. He knew Danny knows like if something's wrong with my mechanics, he could probably tell me exactly what it is just by one pitch. And having to relearn that and try to be more, I guess, lone wolf, like without, oh, I don't got my brother to hold my hand now. Like I got to learn how to do it. That was, that was pretty tough, but in anything, it's either adapt or you're done. So you kind of just have to just do it. <laughs> yeah. What about you, D? Well, it's like I was saying before, like building relationships that <clears throat> came a lot easier with this guy, but it's just, it was really hard to like get used to everybody and like, oh, dang. I don't have my my boy right here. I don't have my dog. <laughs> and that's usually like like in high school and stuff, it was usually just me and David. We had we were together all the time. We were catch play partners. We were everything. Mm -hmm. But you just have to like David was saying, you just have to adapt and move on. That is cool that, that you guys been able to land like really cool cultures that each have their own unique challenges but also have their unique rewards as well. And and um, kind of what you alluded to before, like some of your some of your seniors are gone and you're going to miss them. And, and um, baseball has a way of like recycling back and uh, and bringing things back um, all the time. Like I still run into guys that I played with back in the day mm -hmm. and and got some guys like still do what I do. And we, we collaborate sometimes like uh, you you talk about Cam at Persistent Athletes. Mm -hmm. now. Um, it's um it's one of those things where um, the baseball community is so small and, and it's such a cool community and it's so easy to just like pick up right where you left off if, even if you haven't seen each other in six months or six years. Like it's, it's so fast like that. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's really cool personally that you guys are both in California because you get to go see each other all the time. And um, I wish I was able to get out more and actually go see you guys. And I wish I could make it out to more games. But um, I think as as we evolve into more establishing more roles and uh if we know when you're going to be playing uh, i think it's easier to take a day off yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think that was the coolest part about um having parents like like ours where um they they went out to every single game <laughs> like they were yeah. at every game like whether uh, whether they knew we were going to start or not that just shows the level of commitment like I can't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I literally can't. I would, I'd end up not be able to be in, in this apartment. Um, I'd, I'd be broke <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to go catch uh, what game you guys are going to be playing in. But um, no, it's so cool to, to just know that you guys are you guys are so close and you guys are found a home and you guys are uh, busting your butt to like stay on that home and, and, and one day hopefully become one of the leaders that uh, guides one of the younger classmen uh down that same journey that you've had to walk through. So it, it's super cool. And uh, I'm super pumped for 
for what you guys have going on this summer and kind of where you're heading and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped. Uh, any closing thoughts or anything you guys wanted to kind of let everyone else know about or anything like that? All right. If you aren't going to PFA and you're thinking about it, go check it out. Get in with Bob when he's available. He's always busy, but get in with him. And then if... Get in later. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, don't forget to follow my Instagram, David. That's it, no, no. Neil14. He's, he's going to put it in the bio or whatever. Yeah. Just go follow Link, me. Link's in the bio. <laughs> Link is not in my bio. You can put it in your bio. all right guys thank you so much for uh sticking around and listening to this episode of the bob show um if you were able to make it all the way to the end and you're listening to this portion i greatly appreciate you i may not have to make fun of you later uh thank you very much uh because david and danny stuck around this entire time as well i'm gonna go ahead and shout them out on instagram we got david underscore o'neill 14 and we got daniel underscore o'neill 34 Uh, I messed up on that like four times, so (laughs) this is like take 15. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you guys stick around for next time, and be sure to uh, like, comment, subscribe, whatever you do on every one of these channels to make this podcast rock. Um, You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. God bless.